to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Anyways, hey, so glad y'all are here this morning. Um, have you ever, even if you're not in school right now, have you ever, when you were doing homework, even now doing homework, been frustrated because you didn't know what to do? Yes, I got some amens from the student section over here. Yeah, or even like, even if it's not doing homework, maybe the teacher calls you to the board. We'll just pretend this is the really nice whiteboard. And so you go to the board and you're like, you're doing math and you're like, you carry the three and divide. I'll be honest, teacher, I don't know, have a clue what I'm doing. Right? We've all been there. We're just like, I, I don't know what's going on. Um, maybe even I think about when I was doing, uh, working on my dissertation and there were like a billion footnotes. Uh, I paid like, I think it was like $100 for this, this uh, software that helps you with footnotes. And that seems like a lot of money. But does anyone else agree that footnotes may have been designed by the devil? You know what I'm talking about? I remember sitting there, and I don't know, we had to format it using Kate Turabian. I don't know who Kate Turabian was, but I, she's not a nice lady, okay? <laughs> Whoever formatted, made this format. Um, but I remember typing, typing with footnotes, and it just wouldn't tell you what to do. And you would Google, like, how do I fix this? And getting so frustrated because I didn't know what to do. Felt like I couldn't fix it. And it's not just with school. It's, uh, you know, when you begin adulting, there's also struggles of not knowing what to do. Like I remember Lauren and I took this, my wife took a class at UMC. It was like having a baby 101 or something like that, <laughs> which yeah, you can make fun of us, but it was, I'm glad we did it actually. <laughs> and so um, I remember putting, like practicing putting the diaper on the baby doll and feeling like, ain't no problem, I got this. But the problem, then you get home with the actual baby and it's nothing like it because what is the actual baby doing? <laughs> it's like, we should have done this differently. I remember just being frustrated, like, I don't know what to do, how, how to put the diaper on a moving baby. Or even, I remember that kind of same scenario. We had spent, I guess, like three or four nights in the hospital uh, when Lauren had the babies. And when we, when we got home, we were so excited about being able to, to go to sleep in our own house, in our own bed. And we just kind of had this idea of, this is, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> is going to be so much better. It's going to be so much easier. Life is going to be great. And as you know, the reason you're laughing, like we, didn't, we didn't sleep at all that night. And it was a shame. It was weird. The nurses didn't come home with us to help out. I didn't understand that. But I remember we, it was like we, we just took turns waking up. Well, not waking up. Like took turns turning on the light in the middle of the night. And it's kind of embarrassing to say, but took turns just kind of crying. Like I would be crying. She's like, we're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. I'm like, I don't know what to do. They won't stop crying. And then like 20 minutes later, she would be crying. I'm like, it's going to be okay. And she's like, I don't know what to do. They won't stop crying. And just this endless source of frustration. I really do believe that one of the most defeating and frustrating things in life can be when you don't know what to do. Like you don't know how to do something or, or, or what you should do. Like you know that whatever this task or whatever's in front of you is important to do, but you're just not sure, sure what to do with it. I think a lot of times in the Christian life, we feel that way with prayer. I, was, I, I know I do. Like I know I should pray, 
But too often, even as a pastor, not to make you think less of me, um, too often I, I'm praying and I'm like, and Lord, man, help it just to be a great day and be with Lauren and the kids and help me to love you. And I bet it's at least been 15 minutes of prayer. Oh, it's been like 30 seconds, right? Anyone else ever feel that way? Yeah, I've just, I, I don't, I kind of know how to pray that that's talking to God, but what to pray, what to pray can be a real struggle, can even be like, like I said a second ago, can be kind of defeating and frustrating. And because of that, we end up not praying. I, I really have found, and I think I mentioned this before, uh, maybe a year or two ago in the venue, I really do believe that one of the, the best resources for praying is your Bible. <laughs> I really do believe that praying scripture is, is life-changing. I don't know how many times I've been frustrated in prayer, like just not sure what to pray, and then turned to Scripture and found it to be incredibly helpful. And let me give some exa examples real quick. What I mean is, one, maybe like turning to a psalm. We don't have to turn, that, turn there now, but like turning to a psalm and reading through it, and literally whatever comes to mind, just praying for that. Just turning to psalmist prayer into your prayer. I think Tony even had a really cool thing he did with the middle schoolers like a month ago where they, they kind of wrote their own psalm, right? Which that's a really cool idea. Um, so maybe even do that. Like use the psalms as inspiration for writing your own song or prayer. Another really cool thing to do is to look at the prayers that are in Scripture and to use those as, as content for your prayer, as like a springboard for your prayer. I, I can't emphasize that enough. If you struggle with prayer, and I feel like the more I talk to people, the more I realize that most of us do. Praying scripture is incredibly helpful. Now, two uh, quick things I want to tell you about. Probably the book that's helped me the most with that and, and growing that is a book by Donald Whitney called Praying the Bible. It's, it's really small, as you can see. Um, not a lot of footnotes. Amen. Um, so be sure to, if you're interested in what I'm talking about, check out this book. Praying the Bible by Donald S. Whitney. We actually have some copies in the back for like five bucks. And there's also this book. This is a little bit more, um, this is more basic but really beneficial. And this gets pretty thick. It's by D.A. Carson. It's called Praying with Paul. And also a really good book. But if I, if I would encourage you to read this one before you read this one because this one's a little bit thicker. That's just the nature of, of D.A. Carson. Um, great books. But here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at a prayer of Paul in Ephesians and learn from it as kind of a model of prayer. Go ahead, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to actually be finished in chapter 3 this morning, which is pretty cool. But Ephesians chapter 3. And this is a, a prayer of Paul really on behalf of the Ephesians. So it's a really good model of prayer, like what we should be praying how we should pray. But also, if I'm honest, I think it's a really great source of encouragement. Like, I think as you're reading, as we're going through the text this morning and, and seeing this prayer in Ephesians 3, uh, starting in verse 14 here in a second, I think you're going to be encouraged by, by really the truths that are in this prayer. So if y'all would, pray with me, and we're going we're gonna to dive in. Jesus, thank you for that song we just sang and just the, the fact that you're with us in this room this morning and no matter what we may 
what we may face or what we may struggle with, that you're there for us, God. And even when we struggle to pray and are frustrated in our prayers, that you are there with us and you are patient and that you do want to have a conversation with us. God, I pray that as we look at Paul's prayer this morning, that it would, yes, be a model to us, Lord, it would teach us about how to pray for ourselves and how to pray for each other because so often we feel like our prayers are, are lacking or they're empty or they're just repetitive. Um, so I pray that it would be a model for us, but Lord, more than that, it would also encourage us right, right now in this moment. And I pray that as we learn to, to talk with you and learn to pray more biblically founded prayers and not, not just a list, Lord, that you would transform our lives, that you would transform our community, and that you would help us to flourish as believers. So God, we just pray that as we study your word this morning, that we would lean into it and just hear what you have to say, God. Thank you for, for speaking to us through your word. And we pray that we would be encouraged and, and lifted up and we would grow this morning. So in your name that we pray, amen. All right, so if y'all would jump in uh, in verse 14 with me. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you, to, excuse me, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So we're going to have four different things we see from Paul's prayer. Here's the first thing that I want you to see. We should pray for God to give us strength in this life. We should pray for God to give us strength in this life. This is a really simple idea. You're not like, oh my gosh, I've never thought of that. It's a really simple idea. This is a really, really important idea to pray for God's strength. Here's the, the key here. His focus is not on outside issues like, God, give me strength, help me to be healthy, help this cheeseburger and fries that I'm going to eat to make me strong. Like, isn't that dumb when we do that? Like, Lord, bless this pizza I'm about to eat. <laughs> it doesn't turn into a salad. That would be cool if it did, right? Um, no, it's, it's about inner issues that through the Spirit, it says through His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He gives you strength. So we want to pray for ourselves and pray for each other that God would give us strength. Strength for our heart to keep believing. Strength for our mind to keep choosing to think on truth. Praying that our will would have the power, the strength to keep pursuing and choosing righteousness. Prayer for strength. I love it in verse 17. It says, so that, this is not really, I think the English is a little confusing here. It's not when you get strength, this is what happened. It's not really a result idea. This is really a restatement idea. So in verse 17, he's kind of just having a different viewpoint on the same idea. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What, what's going on here? It's not that when we get strength, now Christ dwells in us. No, we know that every believer, everyone who knows Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within, which is the Spirit of Christ. You with me? So even like, not to be picky here, but when we say Jesus comes to live in your heart, specifically we're, we mean the Spirit, right? Like Jesus doesn't shrink down to like G.I. Joe size and come and get in your heart. No, be kind of cool. No, it's the Spirit within you. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So if every believer already has Spirit of Christ within them, 
What's going on? He's talking about relationship. As Christ dwells in you, you become stronger. See, the, the key to becoming or being transformed from a weak Christian into a strong Christian, the remedy for that is relationship. <laughs> I, I love Pastor David when he preached on Ephesians, like I think six years ago, he said about this, this verse, that it's the idea that Christ is at home in your heart. I, 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 I love after my, uh, uh, that sounds funny. I always appreciate even greater my wife's presence in the home after she's been gone because when she's back home, she brings a presence with her, right? The idea here is that as I'm in the, as I dwell with Christ and he's at home in my life, I gain strength from his presence, from his power, right? You become stronger as a Christian. You get strength for this life through your relationship with Christ. I think a way to picture this, uh, I remember we were, there's this little amusement park in Valdosta, Georgia called um, Wild Adventures. And we had gone there. Uh, we were back home for Christmas and gone there with my parents and my siblings and their kids. And uh, at the time, my youngest nephew was, uh, his, name, or his name is still Andrew, but he was about three years old. And we were walking through the park. And there was one part of the park that had these dinosaurs in it. Real living, not really, no, um, that'd be really cool. Uh, they had these pretty, like, believably, uh, they looked real, dinosaurs, and one was a T-Rex. So I remember Andrew, again, a little three-year-old self, was walking through all the dinosaurs and looking at them. And when he came to the T-Rex, he stopped and just kind of started to back away. <laughs> like, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> and even, like, uh, he wasn't crying, but he was, he was definitely backing away. He was not going to proceed. Well, my brother-in-law... Uh, Chris is about, I think he's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, um, and, and solid dude. He, he's from Minnesota. We always say he would be a Viking if this was back in the day. Like, he is a solid big dude, a, a lot like me. And so um, Chris walks up to Andrew and, and picks up Andrew in his arms. And Andrew, you can tell, is still a little hesitant, but, but a little less fearful. And Chris walks over to the, to the T-Rex and just starts talking trash, like, we're not scared of you. And Andrew's like, hey. <laughs> he starts laughing. He's like, T-Rex, you can't hurt us. And next thing you know, Andrew's doing the same thing. I mean, he's not like saying much. He's three years old, but he's like, yeah, like pointing at it and, and not afraid of the T-Rex. Why? Because Andrew found power in the presence of his father. <laughs> he found power in the presence of his father. I think that's the idea here in verse really 16 through the beginning of 17, that we find power, we find strength for this life in the presence of our Father. We find strength for this life when we walk in relationship with Jesus. So if this is not just supposed to be encouraging, but also a model for prayer, what can we learn here? I mean, we need to pray, ask God, Lord, give me strength for what I'm facing. Help me to, when I spend time in your word, to to get power from being in your presence so that as I face hardship, I don't run away or cave, but that instead I, I face it head on because I'm no, I know I've got the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Lord, help me to, to face this life with strength and, and not run away in fear. We should pray for God to give us strength in this life. Now, now, the reality is, I, I think a lot of us are probably like, okay, like, that's a cool reminder, but, like, 
I've prayed that before. I've kind of done that. I'm willing to bet, or, you know, at least assume, (laughs) that most of us have not prayed this next part of Paul's prayer. He picks up the second idea kind of midway through 17, verse 17. He says, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Man, what a cool prayer. Here's the second thing. We should pray that God would help us grasp his head over heels love. That sounds a little bit like, I think it'd be easy to think, man, you're just making that up. No, that's what he says. He says, you're going to need strength to comprehend just how long and wide and high and deep is God's love for you. I love that he says, like, hey, you can't handle the truth of how much God loves you. You're going to need strength. You're going to need help for this because you can't handle it on your own. You're going to need supernatural strength of God to help your mind grasp and see that God is head over heels in love with you. (laughs) Man, what a cool prayer. What about if we, if we, we prayed, not just for ourselves, we prayed for others, prayed for your children, prayed for your friends, that they would just know how much God loves them. What a cool prayer. Strength to comprehend. And I love that he says in verse 19, uh, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So the reality, the reality is, like, we're not going to be able to fully grasp how much he loves us. Like, we're not going to really get there to fully see, oh, now I've arrived. I, I see it in its fullness. No. In verse, the, the, the latter part of verse 17, really the, the beginning of this idea, he says, being rooted and grounded in love. I, I love that Paul helps me out there as a preacher. He kind of gives me the metaphor so I don't have to try to imagine them. We're rooted and grounded in love. This is really important. <laughs> the foundational beginning step of you growing as a Christian is being rooted, (laughs) being founded in the fact that you're loved by God. It's going to be really hard for you to, to grow in your faith and to mature in your faith if you're wrestling with whether or not God loves you. So he said, I I want you to be rooted, dug down deep in God's love for you so that when the wind comes and when the rain comes and the storms come, his love holds you firm. (laughs) Why is it we have so many dadgum tumbleweeds around West Texas? Because they have bad roots. (laughs) They're not rooted. So every time the wind blows, they're in your front yard (laughs) or dragging underneath your car. (laughs) I don't want to be like that. (laughs) I don't want you to be like that. So we should pray that we would be able to begin to open our eyes to to his head over heels love for us and be rooted in it. And think about, I I love, gosh, I love this, because this is about praying for root issues. I'm still using the same metaphor, but changing a little bit. This is about praying for root issues and not fruit issues. What I mean is, too many times we pray about peripheral uh, little things. God, help me with this today. Help me to be nice today. But here's the reality. All those things would come a lot more naturally if you're already rooted in God's love. Does that make sense? 
Like we always, we, we pray and worry about the fruit of our lives when really the base, when the basics are right, when the foundation is good, that you're just founded in God's love, typically the rest of it takes care of itself. <laughs> like if, if you're, uh, this comes to mind, if you're uh, nervous about sharing the gospel with someone and you want to have, you want to be um, uh, bold in it, often if you know that whether they listen to you or whether, whether they reject you, if you know that it doesn't really matter because you're rooted in God's love, you're going to naturally be more bold, right? <laughs> if I come up to speak to you and I'm feeling uh, a little bit like, man, I feel a little nervous today, whatever. If I remember that God is head over heels in love with me enough to die for me on the cross, then like I don't have to worry if you like the sermon or not, right? <laughs> I do well, hope you enjoy it. But, but the reality is, if I'm rooted in Christ's love, the rest takes care of itself. So we should pray, God, help me as I start the day. Help my friends as they start the day. Help my roommate as they start the day. Help my spouse as they start the day to start it knowing that they are loved by the God of the universe. <laughs> and it's their, your love for them is not based on how good they are. It's based on how good you are, Lord. Help them to be founded in that. And here's the reality. If we ever like, are not wowed by the height, the depth, the, the length, the width of God's love, the problem is not with how amazing God's love is. The problem is with who? With us, right? Listen, if you, if someone goes to the Grand Canyon, stands on the edge of the Grand Canyon day after day, and about day 11, they're like, eh, not that grand. You're not going to go, yeah, you're right, it's pretty lame. You're going to go, no, you're wrong. <laughs> you just quit seeing. Maybe you need to refresh your eyes, get a different perspective. But the Grand Canyon is grand, almost as cool as the Grander Canyon, Paladero Canyon, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's my wife and I call it. Or if someone went to the foot of the Rockies day after day and stared up at the majesty of the Rockies and about day seven was like, she's not that awesome. You would go, no, 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 no. <laughs> the problem is not with the majesty of the Rockies. The problem is with you, that your little heart can't grasp the grandeur of it. <laughs> the problem is not with God's love. The problem is that we too easily are bored or distracted with things of this world. So maybe you need to pray, Lord, help me not just to be founded and rooted in your love, but help me to every day just be in awe of the cross and, and, and in awe of the fact that you are head over heels about me. I love this progression here in the text because Paul kind of moves from praying for the inner strength and then again, another kind of inner issue of praying to be rooted and founded in God's love. And then he begins to focus a little bit more. I think that the progression starts to become a little bit outward. So again, all throughout Scripture we see transformation begin, should begin from the inside out. Any Christian, quote, transformation that you try to just do as moral behavior is not real transformation. It always begins with the Holy Spirit transforming you from the inside out. Check this out. We're going to see the third thing he says. Uh, kind of halfway through verse 19. So second thing he's praying for, or the third thing, excuse me, third thing, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So here's the third thing I want you to see. We should pray for God to help us be like him in every way. That we would be filled with the fullness of God. The idea is that we would decrease and that he would what? He would increase. <laughs> 
The idea is that his presence, his character would find its way, would work its way into every little nook and cranny of our lives. <laughs> that my attitude and my thoughts begin to reflect who he is. That my beliefs begin to be transformed by him. That the words I say to other people reflect the character of God. That the way that the things I do with my body reflect his nature and his purposes and his priorities. That every aspect of my life would be filled up with him. I think the picture here is that we want to pray that our lives are not like a dry, cracked riverbed that just taunts all those who would come to our shores hoping to get life from us, hoping to be encouraged from us, that they would just come and see that, man, we're just a dry, cracked riverbed. No. We should pray that our lives are like a river flowing with streams of living water from Jesus. <laughs> and that our shores, the shores of our life, are full of his presence, of his life, of his goodness. So that when people come around us, they don't just see us. They see the goodness, the fullness of God. <laughs> that we have an overflow of his character in our lives. I, I think that means like an application, I think that means praying less for outcomes and praying more to be overcome with God's goodness in our life. <laughs> that in every aspect of my life, his presence, his character would be shown. I think it, less, it means praying less for getting what I want and like, and like stressing over something and praying more that God would have his way in my life. <laughs> hey, can we disagree? Wouldn't, wouldn't our lives all be a little bit less stressful if we quit making our prayer list about, God, I want this, I want that, I hope you do this, and more about, Lord, in whatever I face today, have your way. <laughs> wouldn't you be less, a little less stressed? I know I would. God, in this situation today, Whatever you accomplish, whatever you do, Lord, help me to reflect your peace, your patience, your mercy, your grace towards these people. <laughs> I want his character to be overflowing through my life. We should pray for God to help us to be like him in every single way. Now, there's one more thing. We're not going to go to the slide yet. But there's one more thing I want us to see from this prayer and if I'm honest, I think it may be the coolest. This is so cool. <laughs> Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or even think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a pretty solid ending to the prayer, right? <laughs> to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. So we've been talking about kind of the content of prayer. I think this is something we need to remember when we're praying. That is the fourth point. We should pray knowing that normally we pray way too small. Normally, when we're praying for God to do something in our lives or those that we care about, that we love, that we're praying for, we normally pray way too stinking small. Now, let's be clear here. Our ideas of what we want to happen are typically, and thank God they are, typically different 
than what God has in store, right? He, his plans are bigger and better even if we don't see it at the time. He says we can't even uh, imagine or think all that he's able to do. So here's the deal. So often we think we're, we're like swinging for the fences when we're praying and all we've done is position to lay down a bunt. <laughs> or we think, man, I'm throwing a Hail Mary with this prayer and God's like, all that was was a QB sneak. <laughs> or we're like, man, I'm about to go up and spike the mess out of this ball. And God's like, I, I think he just bumped it over the net. <laughs> like, we ask way too small because we think too little of God. <laughs> I was thinking about this. The picture that came to mind is it's just because they're, they're little and don't understand yet. But sometimes you know, it's, it's dinner time, kids are getting hungry, and I'm just about to pull off, like, this is not like every night, so like occasionally, just about to pull off like a brisket from the smoker or maybe like it's been smoking all Saturday or I don't want to make you hungry, sorry. But like, um, you know, the, the, the steak's fixing to come off the grill. Like we're, we're almost there. That's what I prepared for dinner. Like that's what we're having for dinner. And the kids, they're tugging on my leg because they want some goldfish. <laughs> right? Or, or like uh, they want a graham cracker and some milk, right? And I'm like, and again, they don't understand yet, but I'm like, if you'll wait like five minutes, what I have planned and what I had in mind for dinner, I promise is a lot better than some goldfish. I like goldfish with the best of them. I do. I ate some goldfish for a snack yesterday, right? You get one, I get one kind of mentality. <laughs> but Dadgummit, I would so much rather have steak and mashed potatoes and broccoli and all that good stuff. Some of don't eat broccoli, but whatever. Then goldfish. I think so often what God has prepared and what he wants to do and what he can do in our lives is like steak. <laughs> and we're just asking for goldfish. <laughs> we should pray knowing that we normally pray way too small. Why is it too small? Because God is way, way big. I love what D.A. Carson, I mentioned him earlier. Um, he wrote one of the books, Praying with Paul. What he says about this passage. He says, Paul is confident in God's abilities because God is omnipotent. What does that mean? God is all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> to an omnipotent God, there cannot be degrees of difficulty. So God's not like, ah, oh, man, that's pretty hard. No, he can do anything. <laughs> surely, but, excuse me, but surely, Paul is saying something more than that about God. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, not only because he is powerful, listen to this, but also because he is generous. <laughs> he loves to give good gifts to his children. To think of God in any other way is to demean him. To think of God in this way is itself tantamount to a call to pray. We simply cannot ask for good things beyond God's power to give them. We can't even imagine good things beyond God's power to give them. Can't do it. We pray way too small. I think of, he was saying in a different context, but C.S. Lewis said, God finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. <laughs> we should pray knowing, we normally pray way too small. Let's talk about kind of the, the elephant in the room. Most of us, even if you're like, oh, that's cool, those are good points. Most of us 
struggle to pray because we're not sure we believe it or believe it works. Can we be honest? And if, you, and if you're like, I don't, I don't think you should feel guilty about that. Like every, everybody I know, Pastor David included, would say, yeah, there's been times where like, it's hard to pray because like, I, I know it works, but like, I'm also like in my gut, like, God, is this really going to make a difference? I think we, we struggle to find like, to feel like he's giving us strength and hoping us know we're loved because we're like, man, I don't know if it really works. I want to tell you a little quick story to, to help maybe deal with that issue. So uh, as you know, last, not this week, but the week before, Lauren and I were gone uh, for a family wedding. Uh, back in Florida and Georgia, and um, by the way, if you ever want to know what it was like where Richard and I grew up, just listen to Florida Georgia line, and you'll have a clue, okay? <laughs> Anyways, because it's a true story. Um, but went back to the wedding, and so that Monday we were going to leave, we're getting ready to go to the airport, and I, our devices were saying that there was, there was Wi-Fi, there was internet, but there was, it, there was no internet. It was not working. And the backstory to that is, we had just, uh, within a, like a, a week or two of that, um, switched internet providers to just, nothing was terribly wrong, but just wanted to get a little faster speed. And so we switched internet providers. They had all these advertisements about how great the internet was and stuff. And so when like a week in to having this new service, I saw that the internet, even though our devices said it was working, that the internet wasn't working, I was like, Psh, this is trash, bro. The false advertising, right? Like they're telling me these the internet is going to be great, and it, it don't even work. And so I was getting a little bit frustrated, like, we're going to be on, va- uh, on vacation, and someone's coming to kind of house it, and now, like, they don't have internet. I was just kind of irritated until Lauren, like, man, this is, this is garbage. I don't know why we switched. So uh, I was taking out the trash right before we loaded up the car. I go out in the back alley, and I see a cable strung all in the alley. I'm like, what the world? And then I realized the cable that was all mangled and cut in the alley was our internet cable. <laughs> and what had happened, they hadn't, and it wasn't really the company's fault, they had not had a chance to, they didn't bury the cable the day they did it, and um, they were coming soon to do that. And uh, they had spray painted where the, the cable for the internet was on the ground, but my neighbor, God bless him, had not seen the cable and just ran all over it with his mower, <laughs> which I envisioned him out there like with a chainsaw, like, <laughs> like cutting the cord in half. Um, but I just started laughing because I was so frustrated about, man, they lied. Their, their service doesn't work. This is bogus. And really the problem was I just had like zero connection because it like physically was not connected, like literally wasn't connected. <laughs> and it's amazing. Once we got connected, all of our devices not only told me they were working, they actually worked. <laughs> I think so often in our life, we're like, man, I don't know if prayer works. But if we were to walk out in the back alley of our lives, we might realize, I mean, the reality is, I'm just not like, I just don't pray. <laughs> I'm not getting the benefits of prayer because I'm not actually praying. <laughs> I'm not actually connected to God. It was amazing how once we actually literally got connected, like the cord was, well, they brought a new cord. But once we got, got connected, all of the little devices in our home just kind of fell in place and started working. When you're actually connected to God in prayer, it seems like all the details of your life begin just to fall in place. It doesn't mean your life is perfect, but things begin to come together. My encouragement to you this morning is to maybe look at your life and and ask yourself, if if I'm thinking prayer doesn't really work, is it just my fault because I've not been praying? I've not been connected. Show me 
a praying church, or excuse me, show, show me a prayerless church, like believers that don't pray, and I'll show you frustrated, fearful, fickle Christians. Frustrated because they're facing life and don't have the power of God to spur them on. Fearful because they're not living life knowing that they are loved and accepted by Christ himself. And fickle because they haven't, the, the fullness of God is not overflowing in every aspect of their life, so they're, they're kind of fickle. Sunday they're in worship and they're excited, and then Monday they're like, I don't know. <laughs> show me a praying church, show me praying Christians, and I'll show you flourishing, fiery, faithful Christians. Flour flourishing because the power of God, the strength of God, encourages them and enables them to face life head on, no matter what it throws at them. Fiery Christians because they are compelled by the love of God. That no matter what they face, no matter what storms blow their way, they are rooted in the ground, excuse me, rooted and grounded in God's love. And so they're fired up about who God is. And faithful because they've asked God to fill their lives in every single way. How should we pray? We should pray for strength. We should pray for God to help us understand his head over heels love for us. We should pray that God would help us to be like him in every way. And we should pray knowing that normally we pray way too stinking small. <laughs> Let's get connected. God does big things in your life, in my life, in our lives when we pray. You know, it would be kind of an anticlimactic, lame way to end a sermon, a passage on praying if we didn't pray, right? We're like, well, good to see you. Pray next Sunday. <laughs> so here's what I want us to do. We're going to have a little time of prayer. And I, man, I hope this, uh, we do this occasionally in the venue where it's a little more interactive. And I hope you guys are good with that because we're going to keep doing it. <laughs> so get used to it. Um, but we're going to go ahead and put on the screen a summary of those four points and, uh, from the prayer. And what I want us to do here in a second is just to, I'll let you use your discernment. I would try to get more than like five or six, unless your family's that big. Um, louders, what's up? Uh, because it might be harder to pray, but in groups of four, five, six, or eight, or ten. Um, and I would love for you to, to pray through these things. And I, I really want you to not just pray me prayers, praying for us. Because this is still like Paul's prayer here is still in the context of the body, of the church family. And so... We're praying knowing that when we pray for ourselves and for each other, we all get stronger. We want to pray together. And so I'm going to give you, uh, the band's going to be playing a little bit of a little background uh, music to help you focus. And so um, I'm going to give you about three or four minutes just to pray through those four things. And then we're going to sing a song that really proclaims that God is bigger than our small prayers. So if y'all would, go ahead and kind of group up and pray. And then we'll sing together in just a moment. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of The Venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to The Venue Podcast.